listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network, and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. Ooh, welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Kyle Jacobson live in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. They had their largest sidewalk sale of all time this weekend. Incredible savings. Food trucks galore. I went by. It was a lot of fun. Didn't get a lot of hats. I got like 10 hats last time. I didn't get anything this time. I just looked around. Um, but it was a really fun time. Lots of savings to be had if you did get some stuff. They always have like a thousand boxes full of shoes. I used to buy all my shoes there once a year. Kyle, you doing all right? Yeah, I went and got some sunglasses at the sidewalk sale. So I thought I'd show them off. <laughs> is that what that is? Well, there's sweet looking sunglasses. Thank you. I know. It's a good, uh, good look for you. Um, all right. So it is the off season. It's what some people would say is the deadest week of the year. Uh, not for us, though. Not for us. We've got plenty of plenty of stuff going on. Is Kyle doing a weekend at Bernie's bit? Yes. Looking good, Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyways, uh, lots of ball to be had. Kyle, what's uh, what's the ball you want to lead off with? Well, I was also going to compliment your lid, not just because it's also the lid I'm rocking, but it was also made out at Cardinals. Man, we've got it. Uh, I alluded to this last episode, kind of just a hodgepodge of topics, and I love to use the term hodgepodge. Why don't we start it off? You okay over there? Okay. All good, all good. Let's start off with Bob Huggins, because this is just a weird story. And I think that this will be over with soon. But let's start there, and then I've got some football stuff, and and the Big 12 preseason poll came out. I want to talk Texas Tech offensive line, show the big men some love during the offseason. But let's start with Bob Huggins. If you haven't seen by now, I guess about 24 hours ago, and we're recording here on Sunday night, Saturday night it comes out that he's going full-on George Costanza and just kind of claiming that, no, I never actually quit my job. And at first, when that news story broke, I was like, well, how is he going to – like, we all saw the resignation letter on Twitter, which he has now deleted. And then today, I guess we got a little bit of clarity, or maybe it just confused things further – but he's claiming his wife took his phone and texted the athletic director to tender his resignation. And so he, I guess is saying, I never resigned. My wife took my phone and she drafted that text message trying to get his job back. There's no way this works, right? Um, no, I mean, there will be lawyers involved. He might get more of a buyout or more of a payout or whatever else, but no, he's not coming back. I mean, he, they lost several players. The whole team was in and out. Um, in my opinion, if you – because what, what are they going to do if he comes back? If he says, I didn't resign, they're just going to fire him, right? Do you want that to happen? 
Yeah, I guess that would be the angle because, like, they're not just going to say, oh, you didn't quit. Well, here's your job back. Like, they're past that point. I don't think the body cam footage has come out, but during the initial police report, it said there's body cam footage. And I'm sure as intoxicated as he was described in that police report, that it would be so damning that there's no way he could have his job back, especially, again, going back to the radio interview. Like, he was on thin ice to begin with, and then you go three times over the legal limit. There's no coming back from it. So I think the only angle, like you alluded to, is the buyout. Say, oh, no, I didn't resign. You're going to have to fire me. And I guess maybe if he could be fired for cause, he could get more money than if he walks away clean. But this was already a sad end to a Hall of Fame career, the radio interview and now the DUI, to resign. And the resignation letter, the resignation text message aside, there were there were reports that he addressed the team and said, like, I'm – retiring, I'm not going to be the coach next year, to then have that portal class that they brought in kind of disperse and then for him to come back a few weeks later and say, I want my job back. I, j- I don't know if we've seen somebody of his caliber depart with less grace. And so this is just – it was a sad end to his career as it was, and I feel like he's just added a whole other layer with this. It's like, hey, man, this is kind of sad now. Like you're not the coach anymore. You're not going to be the coach it's time to ride off into the sunset. I mean, Trey Mitchell's not coming back. Joe Toussaint's not coming back. All these guys aren't going back to West Virginia if he shows up again. No. Shelly says, uh, blaming his wife, new level of graceless. Yeah, I I don't even know what to do with that. It's just, again, would have been a bad end to his career you had might- it just ended how we thought it was a week ago and now this. Why not just get a ride from your wife? And then uh, you wouldn't have been in that situation anyways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, maybe he wants some cash and says, fire me. I'm not quitting. But, And I, I would have also maybe understood this a little bit better if, like, the day after he put out on Twitter what we all thought was a resignation. If he was like, you know what, actually that was misworded. I'm, I'm not resigning. Like I'm, I'm stepping back to take time for myself. Maybe that would have been a little bit more believable, but this was what, two, three weeks ago now. Yeah. What what were you doing for the last 15, 20 days? Just like, Oh, Hey, I, I was just kidding by the way. Like, Oh, y'all thought I resigned. No, I've, I've been coming to the office every day since this happened. Like what? I guess he just sobered up. Maybe it took him that long. I don't know. Just now coming back to uh, Cognizant. Maybe so. I do think that West Virginia is in a tight spot there because it, it, it it doesn't allow the roster to move forward. If they don't like the interim they put in, there's going to be Huggy hanging over them. Uh, they could be weak and just bring him back. Uh, but now you're trying to fill out the roster again. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. He needs to man up and, and leave and be gone with it. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right. What else we got? The, the uh, So our last episode, the Big 12 – the all big 12 preseason team came out and we kind of just reviewed how our ballot looked in comparison. I think the next day, maybe two days later, the 
Big 12 preseason ballot Next where day. All, all the teams were ranked came out. And so we didn't get a chance to review that. And so same deal, just kind of wanted to talk through that and see where maybe we had some hits and misses. And I don't know about you. You ever like back in high school turn in a test and then you think about it at lunch later then you're like, ah, I should have answered this one. Did you have any second thoughts on ours or were you kind of like just at peace with it and that's all there is to it? Definitely at peace with it. I, I did think that um, we probably could have put Texas number one because I thought that most people would. Uh, but again, we weren't trying to list what would be the most popular decision. We were just trying to say what we wanted to say. And, and I agreed with what we said. Yeah, I think where you and I individually disagreed most was on West Virginia. And honestly, I disagree with everybody on West Virginia because they were clearly last place. And we'll get into the margins on on where – because some of these, like, okay, there's not much of a difference between teams number six and seven. There's a huge difference between 10 and 12 or, you know, whatever. So I think I caused us to be off on West Virginia. I I think you had Iowa State a lot higher than I did, and we compromised. I'm still with some of their news that's yet to break due to some potential gambling activity. I I'm still not sure they're going to finish that high. Right. And then one that I wanted to kind of address is Oklahoma because I've seen pretty much everybody's like, why is Oklahoma third? And they were third on our ballot. They were third on the final ballot. It's not necessarily a ringing endorsement of how good they're going to be. Their schedule is a cakewalk. They have the easiest schedule in the Big 12. I think they play seven in the bottom ten. Yeah, they're, they will be 6-0, and 7-0, and whatever, when they're 5-0 and when they play Texas at a neutral site. That'll be their toughest game of the year. Even if they take another 49-point L, the rest of the schedule is manageable from that point on. And so it's like, well, go take the L at the Cotton Bowl, and you can still probably get to 10 wins as bad as the schedule is, even if you're not a very good team. Yeah, I agree there. So the the way it shook out, Texas was number one. And like you said, I think we even said this when we were filling out the ballot live. If we were trying to mirror what we thought the final product would be, I would have guessed Texas is number one. But we justified why we put Kansas State number one. So they were flipped in the final poll. Oklahoma third, Texas Tech fourth, same on our ballot. TCU fifth, uh, Baylor sixth, exact same on our ballot. Then this next trio of teams, Oklahoma State, UCF, Kansas, seven, eight, nine. that's the final ballot. I think ours were UCF, Oklahoma State, Kansas. Kansas, Oklahoma State. Okay, so, yeah, all, all jumbled there. But, but those three teams, Oklahoma State had 470 points, UCF 463, Kansas 461. For all intents and purposes, that's a three-way tie at 7-8-9. Right. And – Again, I think when we were sorting those teams, we didn't feel super strong. Like, oh, UCF is way better than Oklahoma State. We just thought those three teams are similar. We're going to put them together. And I guess there was a slight difference on the final poll. Uh, Final poll, Iowa State 10. That's where we had them. I think that's too high, but that's where we had them. BYU 11th. Houston 12th. We had them last. Cincinnati 13th. That's where we had them. West Virginia 14th. We had them flipped with Houston at 12th. So there were three squads where I think we were off by two. West Virginia and Houston, again, flipped there at 12 and 14. And then Oklahoma State finished seventh. We had them ninth. Everybody else was within one, and the vast majority were exactly where we slotted them. 
yeah, there's no major discrepancy there, which, you know, good. Um, I wouldn't have minded a major discrepancy if it was right at the end of the season, but uh, certainly not upset about being too off of the rest of the media. And I think, you know, it's an aggregate anyway, so it all comes together. Do you think – all right, so if I gave you – if I gave you even odds, minus 110 on either side, yes or no, West Virginia will finish in last place. What side are you taking? Yes. Really? Yes. I said they were going to be in last place when we when we started this thing and that okay. that was one of my most uh, for sure bets would be Iowa State. Not Iowa State, um, West Virginia. Now, you think Iowa State, with some of the things they're dealing with, they're going to be worse? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think that they're, in a lot of ways, well, I mean, they were so good on defense last year and so bad on offense. They made a change in offensive coordinator. I'm like, okay, they can't be worse on offense unless, hypothetically speaking here, they lose their starting quarterback, starting running back, starting left tackle, and best wide receiver. Then I could see them being worse on offense, no matter the system they're running. Right. So that uncertainty just made me kind of want to rank them lower. But um, but again, this is not – it's not totally linear. Like the gap between one and two isn't necessarily the same as the gap between two and three. So I'm going to break this down into what I think are is a fair characterization of the tiers based on how close their final scores were. And I guess you get 14 points for being number one, 13 points for being number two, and so on. Yeah. So tier one would be Texas and Kansas State – they were 886 points and 858 points, respectively. Uh, the only two teams with more than four first-place votes. Texas had 41 of the first-place votes. Kansas State had 14. Tier 2, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and TCU. They had 758, 729, and 727 points, respectively. So all within 31 points total there. I'm a little surprised that Baylor isn't in the same tier as the other three. Cause I kind of view those four as roughly equal. Were you surprised um, Texas tech had a first place vote? No. I wonder who that was. They have, they have four first place votes, right? I wonder who they were. Oklahoma had four TCU had three. The other thing I'll say on the, I saw a bunch of TCU fans saying that it was just unjustifiable to have Texas tech ahead of TCU. And that's true. If you're, just ranking only based on last season. I think it's totally justifiable. You may not agree with it, but you can certainly make a case that Texas Tech should be higher. But this is for all intents and purposes of tie. I mean, 729 versus 727, there's no difference there. So, And I would have said the same thing if if Tech was one below TC. I'd be like, we're basically tied. It doesn't really matter. Okay, Tier 3A. Hey, Kyle, what are you wearing? Uh, these are shades, Big Hen. Some of us are so cool that we have to wear our shades inside. Tier 3A is Baylor. It's just Baylor. They have 572 points, so they're about 100, 145 points below Tier 2. Now, why are they alone in Tier 3A? Tier 3B is Oklahoma State, UCF, Kansas, and they're 100 points ahead of the top vote getter from that trio. So they're kind of on an island that's why I broke that out, 3A, 3B. I'm going to stop there because the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, the nine teams in tiers 1 through 3 are all super intriguing to me. Like these are teams that I would 
if they're playing another Big 12 opponent, I want to tune in and watch it just to see how they're – and not all for the same reasons. Like I'm, I'm fascinated by UCF's quarterback, John Rice Plumley. I think he'll be fun to watch. I want to see if I'm right on Oklahoma State, if they're going to be as bad as I think they might be. Kansas wound up with the uh, first-team quarterback, first-team running back, Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year, so they should be fun. And then everybody above them is kind of expected to maybe be competitive for the conference title. So moving on, Tier 4 is Iowa State and BYU. 334 points for the Cyclones, 318 for the Cougars out of Provo. Tier 5, Houston and Cincinnati. 215 and 202, respectively. And then all alone at the bottom, West Virginia, 129. I mean, they're almost 100 points below 13th place. So I'm a little surprised it was that unanimous. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I thought – I didn't think it was crazy for them to be last, but I didn't think they'd be, like, getting doubled up by team number 13. Nobody, nobody trusts the climb there, Co. Yeah, and I mean, for good reason. The, the overall record there is not good, but we talked about this when we were on the Big 12 road trip, talking with the West Virginia guys. They return all five offensive linemen. Their center is an All-American. They've got two running backs that average six yards per carry or more, and they've got a quarterback that can run. If they can't move bodies and run the ball and, like, you know, eat up clock, win time of possession, flip field position, you know, something. If they can't turn that skill set into not last place, then, then yeah, Neil Brown deserves every bit of what I think we all expect is coming four or five months from now. But I could see them staying in games. And if their defense is good, if they find a pass catcher and if Garrett, if Garrett Green can throw, I don't think they're a last place team. You know, I'll, we've got four. We've got four newcomers that aren't used to a Big Twelve schedule that okay. don't recruit Big Twelve depth. Now, I don't know if West Virginia's just been crushing it in that department, but they're used to this schedule. You know, they're going to be more battle tested than anybody after the non-conference. They go, they go to Penn State and then they host Pitt. So I don't know. I I, I can live in that world where they're not in last place. I if you if I had that prop, even odds that they will not finish last, I would take it. With with the. Uh... Let's say it's not West Virginia. Who is it? I think it's roughly equally likely that it's Houston or Cincinnati. And I also, the analytics are just so bearish on BYU. I guess I wouldn't be shocked by it. Like if they finish last, you can't say that that was without warning. Um, I'm also a little bit of a, Side tangent here, I'm a little surprised how bad they're doing recruiting. I think they're last right now in the in the new Big 12. And that is not a position I expected them to recruit in. So if they are bad and they're not recruiting, they could be, at least in the near term, one of the more ill-suited newcomers for the transition. Fair enough. I just think I don't trust Neil Brown. So you could say all you want about the players and execution and all that, but I don't trust that that good plan you have uh, would be executed by Neil Brown. Fair enough. They were also, I think, kind of like Iowa State last year. Some of the games they lost were close-ish. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I might be wrong. And if I am, he'll be fired. And 
anyway. Now, if Neil Brown gets fired uh, before Big 12 play, I would say it's less likely they end up as uh, at the bottom. New coach bump? New coach bump. Even though it's not going to be Graham Harrell. Uh, we have an um, MLB draft question. We had one earlier, and somebody just asked it again. So let's do that real quick before we move on to more football. Uh, what do you all think of Florida's Wyatt Langford for the Texas Rangers? Was he good against Texas Tech? Yes, he was. He was good all the way through. Uh, again, Rob, thoughts on Wyatt Langford. I wanted Walker Jenkins. He was still on the board. Max Clark was another popular pick. Um, but you sandwich those two with Wyatt Langford, the college player. I think he played four years at Florida. It was a four-year junior, one of those last remaining uh, COVID guys. So I, I'm uh, I'm all in on Wyatt Langford if he takes two less years to get to the big leagues. Um, if he's up in two seasons, if he flies through the minor leagues, I'm all in on Walker or Wyatt Langford. If not, I would have gone high school player. So in in the major league baseball draft, I really have no idea because you're not going to see these guys for two years. But if you draft a college player at four, it should only be two years, if not one in minor league baseball. And you're coming all the way up. Uh, Josh Young was a fast mover. Wyatt Langford should be a fast mover as well. And Josh Young only took so long because he got railroaded by uh, COVID. So he was out of here and didn't really get a full season of uh, at the minors. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, you know if, if the Rangers front office views this similarly as you do and they think White Langford will be in the big leagues sooner rather than later, outfield – not to disparage any Rangers outfielders, but if he's ready in 18 months, he could you could plug and play. Like, there's nobody that you're just saying, oh, well, we can't pull him out of the outfield, right? Yeah, now there are other guys um, in the system already that are ahead of sure. him. Sure. Uh, Evan Carter being one of them. But, yeah, I mean, that's you – could, you could certainly move on this year from, like, an Adolis Garcia with what you have coming up. Uh, certainly Jankowski trade him at the height of his power. If, if you want to try to get something out of him, uh, you don't necessarily need him in two years. You might need him for the rest of this year, but you could, uh, you, you could move on from pretty much anybody in the outfield. Yeah. I just think some MLB teams that aren't expecting to compete, they just draft best player available and they're like, well, you know, we have a shortstop, but this guy's the best player. So we're going to draft another shortstop and then we'll figure it out later. But I think if you're in the position the Rangers are in, you know, they expect to be competitive now and, you know, hopefully for several years, they're looking at it a little bit more like, okay, we actually need a draft position of need here. And is this guy going to be ready in a year or two? So hope he is, you know, I was obviously not really rooting for Wyatt Langford much this postseason, but if he starts playing for my Rangers, then of course I'll, I'll do the heel turn like a good fan, and he's a good player, obviously. Like, he tore it up. So, it's a good draft pick, seems like. I don't know anything about the MLB draft, but seems like a good pick. Phillip says, who should the Astros draft? Um, no idea. If they haven't uh, 
Well, they've got a shortstop from Nebraska, Bryce Matthews. So that's who they should draft. Hopefully his hearing is good. And, uh, yes, Young also had an injury. Good joke, Kyle. Thanks. All right, you want to talk some big bodies? Yeah, let's talk about the big boys. Big boy. The young men that probably feast on Rahino Barbecue. Absolutely. One of our probably top four sponsors that we have on this podcast, Rahino Barbecue. Check them out. Under construction right now, but if you're coming back to Lubbock for football season, get that on your calendar. Everybody always asks us, where's the new place to eat? It's Rahino Barbecue. Now, they'll have, by then, a brick-and-mortar shop up and running, but they'll also have a mobile food truck that you can probably find at or near a tailgate. So check them out on social to kind of get a, a preview. And uh, they're always kind of introducing new items and everything. So at Rahino BBQ on social is a good place to follow along for all that. RahinoBBQ.com, you can order ahead to ensure that your barbecue is there. The lines are long. The demand is high because it's the best barbecue in West Texas, and we appreciate their support of the Gambling Gauchos. All right, Rob, I'm going to read you a preseason All-Big 12 team that was compiled by an analytics firm that is used by the NFL, ESPN. So this isn't some dude in his mom's basement. This is legit. Okay. Quarterback Jalen Daniels. Running back R.J. Harvey from UCF. Only two wide receivers on his ballot, Xavier Worthy and Lawrence Arnold from Kansas. He's got two tight ends. Love that. Ben Sinnott, Jatavian Sanders. Here's his offensive line. Wyatt Milam from West Virginia at the tackle. At the other tackle spot, Tylen Grable from UCF. Guard, Cooper Beebe. Other guard, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. He goes to UCF. His first name is Lokahi, L-O-K-A-H-I. The last name, I'm not even going to try it. But who would you expect his center to be? Uh, the kid from West Virginia. That is who I would expect it to be, Zach Frazier, two-time All-Big 12, All-American. I figured that was like pretty much unanimous. This guy's first-team center is one Rusty Stotts. Now, Rustinator. The Rustinator. Now, some Texas Tech fans are listening to this like, one of these guys going to start talking about Texas Tech. They've been talking about West Virginia the whole time because maybe they don't recognize the name Rusty Stotts. Well, he is enrolled at Texas Tech. He is your starting center. Came over from Western Kentucky, where you also got Zach Kitley, your offensive coordinator, where you got Stephen Hamby, your offensive line coach, where you got Cole Spencer, also an offensive lineman. He sat out last year due to injury. He'll be back this year. I was like, why do they have Rusty Stotts in it? Now, I expect him to be a good player. He played a lot of snaps at Western Kentucky. He was all Conference USA, all that good stuff. But to have him slotted over an All-American, I thought, well, that's that's a bold statement or bold prediction from this analytics source. So I tried to dig in. I was like, well, I wonder why they have him higher than Zach Frazier. And this is where I'm a little bit out of my element, but I'm going to try to explain it as best I can. This analytics source, which is called SIS Football. Okay. They said that last year, Rusty Stotts led all of Conference USA, uh, all, all Conference USA centers in blocking total points. He got 38 blocking total points. Now, what the heck, what does that mean? 
I don't know quite yet as I'm reading this, but it says that would have easily led Texas Tech. Now, offensive line was not a strong suit of last year's team. I don't think that's controversial to say at all. So there's no individual offensive lineman from last year's squad where I would say, well, I'm surprised that Rusty Stotts is expected to be an upgrade over that guy because right. I think as a unit, they certainly got better and better as the season went on. But you don't have one guy on the offensive line where you're like, well, he's an NFL talent. He's a first-team All-Big 12 guy. So this guy's saying these, these 38 blocking total points would have by far led Texas Tech last season. So this is clearly an upgrade to your offensive line unit. So as I've tried to learn more about what that means, I hypothesized with you, Rob, and later learned this is true. It's kind of tied to EPA or expected points added. And again, I don't know how that's calculated, but people who are a lot smarter than me watch the games, they watch the film, and they see a run play or a pass play, and they grade everybody and say, you know, you know when you gain 15 yards, it's expected to add this many points in the long run. You know, like you're more likely to score a touchdown if you have plays that hit certain amount of yardage, whatever. And so it's basically an offensive line grade to say this guy's contributing to expected points added every drive, every game, and then totaling those up. So he he adds 38 points to the offense's total output. Now, I don't know what the FBS average is. I don't know what the average is for Power 5 centers, but seems like a good number. And according to the same analytics source that awarded him that number, it would have been a lot better than anybody else that Texas Tech had last year. So your thoughts on Rusty Stotts getting some preseason love? Yeah, I, um, I'm i high on Rusty Stotts. I'm high on Cole Spencer. But all of their experience was at Conference USA level. And in the trenches is a whole different ball game from there to the Big 12 now. Not necessarily this year because you have four AAC teams in the mix. Um, you're going to play three of those teams. Well, I guess an independent and some AAC teams. So it's not like you have a full Big 12 stack up. You get to play Wyoming. You're playing Oregon, which they'll have a good defensive line. They always do. Um, but I think – the amount of snaps they've played at the college football level um, will translate to success at, at Texas Tech. I, I think they're going to be better than last year. Um, I like that Dennis Wilburn is playing again because he's got 12 games of Big 12 action uh, under his belt, or at least college football action from last year at Texas Tech. I like that the tackles are sticking it out because they've played a ton of football, Monroe Mills a full season, and Caleb Rogers three or four full seasons. Um, I, I really am high on this offensive line. It, it should be a positive rather than just a net negative uh, this season. I certainly hope so. And he and Cole Spencer were both all-conference dudes at their last stop. And, yeah, it's a group of five conference. It's not one of the – premier group of five conferences like I think an American guy or a Mountain West guy you'd expect that to be a an easier transition but there are also times last year Rob where I was watching our offensive line and thinking to myself yeah I would take an all-conference USA guy right now or an all-sunbelt guy right now yeah um here's a quick tip that I found searching for this tweet it was Don Williams on Christmas Eve last year and he was asking Joey McGuire about the 
projected starting offensive line going into spring ball. Left tackle, Monroe Mills. Left guard, Cole Spencer. Center, Rusty Stotts. Right guard, Dennis Wilburn. Right tackle, Caleb Rogers. My immediate reaction to that is Jacoby Jackson is apparently going to be your backup, probably at both guard spots and, and rotate in. Yep. And Ty Buchanan, same deal at the tackle spots. That's seven guys that I think you you trust a good amount. And, you know, if something happens to Stotts, God forbid, you roll Wilburn over to center, you've got a guard. And then you've got Landon Peterson as well, who missed all of spring due to injury. I'm not sure where he'll factor in and like kind of where he's at in his recovery. You've also got Matt Keeler, who's made some starts, I think, back in the Wells era and has played some snaps at tackle. So I don't think you're quite where you want to be yet, but – Last year, I think after the Cole Spencer injury and everything, like you're trying to find five guys. That's why you brought in guys like um, Cade Briggs. Like I think you brought him in to be your starting center, and then he lost out to Dennis Wilburn. And so competition is a good thing. The fact that you've got, I think, a backup guard and a backup tackle that could start is going to keep things really interesting during two-a-days, assuming everybody's healthy, and hopefully elevate the entire unit. Yeah, I agree with that. And – I agree with the the overall point you're making there. If you have seven starters this year instead of three, going into the season, because I didn't I didn't expect much from uh, a couple of those guys heading into last year. So, yeah, you're you're in a brand new world in just one year. Think about two years from now. Yeah, with some of the guys you've recruited out of high school and developing them and doing the strength and conditioning and waiting you know waiting till year three to put them out there. I think the offensive line is always a good spot to go portaling because it's a difficult position to develop. You don't want to be too young on the offensive line. And so pretty much every year I'm for getting one or two guys that you think are starters on the offensive line out of the portal and then developing everybody else from the high school ranks. I've got another bit of evidence that I think indicates how improved the offensive line was as last season went on. You and I got fed up at, I think it was after the Baylor game, because I think you averaged like six yards per carry, but you didn't run it at all. Yes. And both your quarterbacks were throwing interceptions and we're like, hey, why weren't we running the ball? Well, before that, you really couldn't. So last year, I'm, I'm not counting Murray State because they're FCS against FBS competition. Texas Tech failed to eclipse 3.6 yards per carry in their first five games against FBS competition. So this would have been NC State, Houston, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. Good teams, to be fair. After those five games, your final seven against FBS competition, they eclipsed that 3.6 yards per carry mark six times, and they topped four yards per carry five times, and they topped five yards per carry twice. Now, I think four yards kind of like the minimum. So like 3.6 isn't the gold standard. I'm just saying you, you weren't even that good in the first half of last season. Right. So is that, is that Kitley figuring out the play calling? Yeah. Is it playing Kansas's and Oklahoma's defense instead of NC States? Yeah. But I think it's also guys figuring out the scheme and hopefully getting better as they get, as they go from two career starts to six to eight to 12 or whatever. So I'm excited to hopefully see that trend continue. And, again, that's without Spencer and Stotts. 
which you think are going to be upgrades, of course. So I don't know. I hope that early on we can consistently get four and a half, five yards per carry running the ball. And it's not, so I, I've been rewatching these games and it's like, Hey, run the ball. But like, well, you can't like, I just watched the Oklahoma state game and like Sir Roderick's going nowhere. Taj barely plays the Houston game. You know, like Donovan had to throw it 60 something times. Like you, you had two and a half yards per carry. You, just, you weren't going anywhere. So yeah. I hope the additions, the personnel and the end season improvement we witnessed last season all kind of keeps trending forward and that we're a good running team out of the gates this year. Run the dang ball. Amen. A uh, couple of questions here. Is Baron Morton still with us? Uh, I believe so. From what I've uh, gathered, he's still alive, still a Red Raider. Will you gents be at the Big 12 Media Days in Arlington? Yes, we will. We will be. Asking the hard questions. I want to preview Big 12 Media Days in a second, but Big Hen was asking if I had a a ring light. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here just to make sure everybody knows I have a ring light so you can see it in my sunglasses. Yes, you can. Thought about um, my sunglasses. What'd you say? I was thinking about going to get my sunglasses. That would look super cool. Um, but he, but he, but he, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I think you're at the point, Rob, where you've got enough portal additions like Cole Spencer, Rusty Stotts, Steve Linton, CJ Baskerville. It's kind of a numbers game. Like, even if half of those guys are hits, you should be. You want them all to be hits, and I certainly trust this coaching staff's evals and everything. But I kind of like having these newcomers that are all hyped up. It's like, you know, the guys we had last year, the guys we already had on the roster were pretty good. So if these guys are even better or they're making us even better as a team, then it gives you a lot of individual guys to be excited about. Do you see Baskerville has gained 15 pounds of muscle since he's been here? Yeah, love that. Was he – I think he was about like 205 when he got here. Yeah. More like 220, 225 now. Yeah. Yeah, that'll play. Especially at that spot, he kind of needs to be a little bit beefier than just a standard DB. Yeah. The muddy waters of this year, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah, I'm excited for him. Last thing I've got on the offensive line, and maybe we can do other position group previews as we get closer to kickoff here. Only 55 days away for those keeping track. I tried to look at career starts on the offensive line, which is – a little bit tough to do when you've got guys that have played power five, their whole career group of five transfers that are really experienced and a Juco guy, Dennis Wilburn, um, who I think played a couple years of Juco and then started for you all year last season. So I did my best again to kind of make a fair calculation of if you started 10 games in conference USA, that would equate to roughly this many big 12 games. If you started 10 Juco games that counts for this many big 12 games, and here's what I've got in terms of your returning production. Cole Spencer is your most experienced guy at 30.8 career starts. How do you have 0.8 career starts? Will you play group of five and let Kyle make up his own math on what that translates to at the power five level? So he started more games than that at the group of five level, but uh, you know I think it's fair because it's not quite the same as getting a transfer from Alabama or somewhere. 
Caleb Rogers doesn't have 30 starts? He has 29. I would have lost that bet. Yeah, he's he's number two on this list with 29. Uh, Stotts, 18.9. He would be your next guy right next to Dennis Wilburn, 18.8. So you've got four guys that, with my made-up math, have basically 19 starts under their belt at this level. Some others that I think are notable, Monroe Mills, 10. Landon Peterson, 9. Jacoby Jackson, 6. I meant to mention this. When your rushing yards per average increased last year, that coincided with Jacoby Jackson starting some games. Maybe that's coincidence. Maybe it's not, but file that away for later. I thought he was a very good run blocker last year. I'm still pissed at that holding call. Um, Iowa State, it's like the most – basic block in the cult holding, but um and then I think the last guy with starting experience is Matt Keeler with two starts. And you total all that up and your offensive line room has one hundred five point six career starts at the power five level based on my math. And I'll I'll spill the beans like just in case people are curious. A conference USA transfer to power five, I'm counting that about 70%. So, like, if you started 10 games Conference USA, I'm giving you credit for seven Big 12 games. And then it's different with FCS, JUCO, all that. But And that's pretty good. I don't have a whole lot to compare it to yet because I haven't compiled all the other teams. TCU, for comparison, their offensive line room has 50 career starts coming back. So you've got them more than doubled up at least. And I could probably look up PFF snaps played and all that and use that as another data point, but yeah, I think this went from arguably your weakest position group last year to hopefully one that becomes, even if it's a small plus, but a, a plus for you compared to opposing defensive lines. I think it's still right there is probably your weakest position on offense, but that's only because I'm so high on the others. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at it. So is it going to be absolutely 100% – Turnabout 180 from last year, I don't know, but certainly going to be better. I think and hope so. And, again, having that competition, if if the five-year-old out there versus Wyoming aren't getting it done, I think you've got at least one guy at tackle and at least one guy at guard that you can play and say, hey, man, that wasn't the standard we need, so Jacoby's going to get the start against Oregon. And you keep working your butt off in practice. If if we think you're an upgrade, then you'll get your spot back, you know, whatever – uh, but last year it didn't feel like that. It was like we're scraping the bottom of the barrel to get five guys out there, and like certainly you're not really able to threaten them with legitimate competition most of the time. So, yeah, I think you'll be a lot better there. I like cohesiveness. I like starting the same guys all year. But if you're if you're starting the best five every week, and somebody has a better opportunity or somebody practiced better this week, and you're flipping out tackles or guards, fine. Play the best five. Well, and if you're going to run tempo, like I think versus Texas, you snapped the ball 100 times. Yeah. And, you know, 80 snaps used to be considered a lot. And these dudes are 325 pounds. So even if they're not, like, losing their job, just saying, hey, you go in for a drive, that would be helpful if you're going to snap it that many times. And playing at high altitude, like in Laramie, that's a big deal. So – I love having depth at the offensive line because guys get their ankles rolled up on. 
but they're also just big dudes that need a breather every now and then. It's not like quarterback per se, where you can play every single snap and like not really get winded or whatever. So certainly good to have depth there. And then the last thing I mentioned this, but I don't want to gloss over this point. Rusty Stotts and Cole Spencer, the two transfers, both played for Coach Hamby and for Coach Kitley at Western Kentucky. So you mentioned uh, cohesiveness. I might have used cohesion, although I don't know if cohesion is a word. Um, they certainly have an advantage versus other transfers because they're playing for their same position coach, same offensive coordinator. They're going to understand these concepts. They know the terminology. They know the plays. That should help a lot. Agreed. Uh, haven't heard about the tight ends recently. Do you think we'll use some tight end sets as a blocking lineman? Yes, Henry Teeter for sure. But I think Baylor Cup and six foot nine, two seventy, Mason Tharp will be uh, certainly in line. Some. Uh, if you're up late in a game, do you slot Jacoby Jackson in on offensive line and try to run the clock? Maybe. Yeah, I'd love to. Fresh legs. Yeah, let's do it. If he's your run block specialist, hey, put him in at fullback. Add a additional offensive lineman. Put Ty Buchanan in at tight end. Yeah. Let's do it. There's no rule against that. You can line up with Crazy. six offensive linemen. You can. You can put seven on the field. Cohesion is a word from the English major. Just didn't sound right. So I, I was like, well, maybe cohesiveness is how you say that. Is that also a word? I don't know. Maybe mine's not the word. All right. Big 12 media days were brought up. Obviously, you and I, extremely credible mainstream journalists, we will be there. I want to hear from the people. So if you're if you're on YouTube, comment. What do you want to what do you want to learn from Big 12 Media Days? Because I, I do think I've been guilty of this as a fan. Like I don't pay attention because I'm like every coach is gonna go up there and say we had a great offseason and you know, like there's not really going to be anything interesting come out. Now, when you have a new commissioner and like there's expansion going on, you have new teams coming in. I don't really feel that way. But what do you want to learn about Texas Tech or the other teams? Or what do you want to hear at Big 12 Media Days that would be insightful? So I want to hear from the listeners and I want your opinion on that as well, Rob. I don't necessarily want to hear from any other coaches or for Joey McGuire, for that matter, for that fact. Um. I think, like you said, it's a, it's a coach-speak atmosphere. Um, I would like to hear maybe the new coaches just for the first time, welcome them in. Um, but this kind of stuff, I want to hear the officiating rule changes and how they are going to implement them here in the Big 12. And I want to hear from the commissioner. I want to hear about the brand refresh. Uh, this is his second Big 12 media days, his first day in the office was the first Big 12 media days, and then he took uh, two weeks off and came back on August 1st. So I want to hear about his first year, where he thinks we are, um, what they're going to do about expansion, if they're going to expand, if he has some the Big 12s and business lines again. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the commissioner, and then I want some other coaches to slip up. Accidentally say something. I want Mike Gundy to accidentally say something. That's what I'm looking forward to. If I were Steve Sarkeesian or Brent Venables, you'd probably have to drag me kicking and screaming this because, like, what's the point? 
I mean, I know that they want to preview this season, but it's like they're not – they're so far out the door at this point. I, I would just be like, you know, hey, we're we're moving on, obviously. So, like, we're going to skip media days this year, and yeah, I don't know. I just don't really see the point of them being there. I know they have to be there because they're still members, but I would just be like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I do like the content from the players, like at the car washes and – going around and talking to everybody else. There's usually some good content there, but as far as the coach press conferences go, I mean, y'all are asking some good questions here, but we can find out that stuff at local media days. I do like when, and I'm not a, I'm obviously not a real media member, so I'm probably not equipped to do this, but I do like it when somebody asks an actual question. Like I, I can't remember who the reporter was, but he asked Cliff Kingsbury one time. He was like, Hey, you coach in a major conference in the state of Texas. How can you not fill out the defensive side of your roster? Like how can you not recruit enough guys to not be ranked 119th in total defense? I was like, that's a great question. Cause like as a fan, I'm wondering why the hell we can't have a better defense than 119th. But usually, you know, the, Right. The, the kitty gloves are on. It's like, hey, coach, you know, how did this offseason go? How was spring ball? What's the quarterback competition look like? It's like, no, ask him why we're 119th in defense. And Cliff didn't have a good answer, by the way. He was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out myself. So, okay, well. He said that's a good question. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you are getting paid $4 million to figure that kind of thing out. So, if you can come up with an answer before September, that would be awesome. Like, I want to straight up ask you, Omar, like, hey, I know – this is kind of hush-hush, but, like, what do you think the likelihood is that we add teams from a power conference in the next year? Yeah. Like, give me a percentage. Because if you leave it too open and they can just talk around. If you say, hey, let me get an update on expansion, you'll get the boilerplate. Well, we're always looking for additions that would make the conference stronger. Say, like, in the next 12 months, what do you put the odds at that we add teams from a power conference? And he's probably still going to talk around it, but, like, Let's try to ask some real questions here and get to the point. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Got some uh, questions being asked here. Uh, ask Steve Sarkeesian how he thinks his uh, off-season anger management will benefit this team this season. Uh, Philip wants to hear some Dana Holgerson bulletin board material. I want to know one surprise player to watch out for from every team of the conference this upcoming season for tech skill positions on offense. It's probably Cameron Valdez. That would be a good question. Cause like every team brings, you know, four or five of their top dudes say, Hey coach, who's a guy that's not here with you that opposing fans are going to know about in November that they might not know about right now. Who would you say is uh, that guy for Tech? I think Loic Fungi is a candidate for that. I think Cameron Valdez, as said in the comments, is a candidate for that. Um, defensively, it could be any one of probably like four different pass rushers. Yeah, And I think Josiah Pierre, even though he was a starter last year, I think him moving to inside linebacker, that really intrigues me. And so I, I think he could – um, with some coaching, some adjustment, I think he could be really good at that spot. Yeah, I thought he was out of position last year, and I thought he did it admirably because he needed to. Uh, but I think this is a more natural position for him. Uh, I would I like to hear the new – sorry. 
I was just going to say, I, I think so too. Uh, with as much as you have on the edge now, I think you can move – and you need to move him inside. Again, he's kind of playing there out of necessity. But Krishan Merriweather was a great plug-the-gaps, you know, run-stopping middle linebacker. His weakness was probably lateral movement and pass coverage. And I was re-watching the Oklahoma State game. Spencer Sanders, pretty athletic quarterback. He's being chased by Josiah Pierre. And, like, Josiah Pierre's coming off a block – at the same time, Spencer Sanders is leaving the pocket. And the two of them are even with each other when they both start kind of running toward the sideline. The difference being just uh, Josiah Pierre has to get off a block and kind of turn. Spencer Sanders is already running that way. And they start even. Uh, Spencer Sanders has a momentum advantage, and Josiah Pierre gets to him before he reaches the sideline and tackles him for a loss. And so that kind of play I don't think Merriweather was as equipped to do. But if Josiah Pierre is – you know, covering either receivers in zone or the run game going laterally side to side that well, I think he could be a huge asset at that spot and put up some really good numbers. If you could have, this is going to sound like really high praise, but if you could have a Jordan Brooks type season from Josiah Pierre, your defense would be top five. Just from him, because I'm I think that highly of the rest of the defense. I was going to say if if you frame the question to me, it's like who is the most important individual player on the defense? I might say Josiah Pierre because one, he's on a unit that is only two guys really. Like you, for all intents and purposes, basically run like a four-two-five with where the stand-up edge guys are. And so, if you don't have two dudes there, like that's a pretty big deficiency. Whereas if four of your five DBs are really good, you still have a good unit. Um, but, yeah, I think linebacker is probably the biggest question mark, maybe on the entire team, certainly on defense. So if you have a guy that you plug in there, he's new at the position and he has an all-conference kind of season, that that really moves your ceiling upward. And so from that standpoint, you said, like I kind of know what I'm going to get from Rabbit, from the, the two corners. I think I know what we're going to get from the – you know, Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradford on the inside of the defensive line. Linebackers are question marks. So if you said, hey, you get an all-conference season from Josiah Pierre, I'd be like, well, yeah, sign me up for that because that we're blowing through the roof at that point. Um, it also opens everyone else up. In my yeah, opinion. yeah. So he's 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 going to be a huge piece on defense this year, and I, I think I think he'll answer the call. I'm, I'm high on Josiah Pierre at that inside linebacker spot. Another question from the audience. I would like to hear the new coaches explain how they would, how they think the they can adjust from the Power Five to the Power Five. And what's the biggest adjustment? I think they're so. Correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have a different view of this, but I think to be a head football coach in college, you kind of need a certain amount of confidence just in everything you do. So I would expect them all to be like, "We're ready." Like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's an adjustment, but like we're not we're not scared of it. Confident in our guys, I wouldn't think that they would answer that question and say like, "Well, yeah, it's going to be tough these first couple of years or whatever." Like, I think they're whether they believe it or not, and I think they do believe it. They'll say, "Yeah, we're ready to go." More questions for the new teams on the similar vein. Uh, I'd like to ask the commissioner if the Big Twelve Championship could be up for a rotating location, such as Houston, Vegas, or even in Florida. Uh, I would nix Florida, but definitely in for NRG, Vegas, and Kansas City. Agreed on all those. Because where are you playing in Florida? Yeah, it's just 
I mean, I kind of get it because you have a footprint there now, but it's too far from the central axis of the conference. Right, right. But you playing in like in Tampa Bay? You know, yeah. There, you're like Raymond James. Are you playing at the pirate ship? Probably something like that. Nah, I'm I'm out on that, but I I like the idea of a rotating uh, a rotating conference championship game. Agreed. All right, uh, you ready for a mailbag? Yeah, first let's give a shout out to our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com, the best law firm in the state of Texas, according to the Gambling Gauchos. They are based in Fort Worth. It's kind of the eastern edge of West Texas, maybe. But they handle cases all across the state, catastrophic injury, workplace injury, criminal defense, Title IX student litigation. They hope you never need them. But if you need somebody solid in your corner for a legal matter, give our friends over at Barnett, Howard, and Williams a call. Learn more about them at bhwlawfirm.com. Rob, we're coming up on 60 Minutes of Us. It's true. I think we're going to go through it. All right. Uh, this is a an empty mailbag here. Not empty, but clean, hopefully. Uh, what's one sport you're really good at that some people might not know? What say you? I don't know. Probably some drinking game. Flip cup. <laughs> um, triple is out. I don't really know if I'm good at any sports at this. Like, I don't play sports. I'm not good at golf. Um, I feel like I was good at racquetball. Back in college, but yeah. that's just because I'm like smacking the ball as hard as I could. So I don't know if I'm actually good at it, but I'll, I'll say racquetball. The shuttlecock? That's badminton. Oh, badminton. What's racquetball? Oh, that's uh, you it's hit like a rubber. Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you were telling me you were going to win the uh, office ping pong tournament. Is that not a sport? Oh, it is, but I think people already know I'm good at that. Okay. That's what I was going to ask if if there are any sports that you haven't already discussed that you're good at. Not that I'm good at. No, I, if I was good at it, I would have mentioned it right. by now. So except racquetball, apparently. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a pretty good bowler. I suck at golf uh, and I'm good at ping pong. If we had a Picador ping pong tournament, do you think you could win it? I think I could. I don't know if I for sure would, but yeah, I think I, I can, Unless you're like a, an actual ping pong hobbyist, like you play a lot, I can I can hold my own against just about any casual ping pong player. Slimson says bowling. Uh, what's your average, Slimson? And apparently the Tampa Bay airport sucks. So Ryan wants the ping pong tournament to happen. Uh, would you rather be a passenger on the next submersible to the Titanic or a passenger on a flight to space? Space. Same. I don't need to go underwater. I don't really need to go to space either. I would choose neither, but. Yeah, that, that might be recency bias because apparently they've made that trip several times without incident, but that I yeah. think I'm a little bit too claustrophobic. and. Oh, yeah. No. Like if we're taking a big submarine. Yeah. No, it, like if the U.S. Navy was like, hey, come on this submarine, I'd be like, yeah, I trust that. Yeah. But if some guy was like, hey, the four of us are going down, I'd be like, no, no, absolutely yeah. not. Not, not traveling in your egg. No. 
Um, is Leech era student body the greatest tech fans of all time? Debate. What do you think? I think that era of football is a highlight to the university. But I would say that this, the last four years of basketball fans were pretty good as well. You went undefeated at home. You had a pretty good run. You were selling out. It's a smaller arena, but. I mean, is that the is that the debate there? Leach era versus Beard slash Adams era? I think that's probably the only two credible arguments, and I'm in the middle of them. And so I I don't have the pride of participating in either as a student. So I'm going to stay out of it. But to me, it feels like our parents telling us the music they listen to is better than what we listen to. And I'm, yeah, you know, I, I don't want to offend anybody. Like anybody that was at Raiderville and – 06 or 07 is going to be like, oh, we were at, this was totally different. We're way better. But then anybody who started the Raider rides be like, hey, we were the worst college basketball, like high major program. And then we're going undefeated at home and beating Kansas and top five Baylor teams and all that good stuff. So I think they both have credible arguments. All right. Is the mailbag Bill Walton kids uh, Super Bowl? Yeah. Rent free. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, start bench cut Luke Brian Luke Combs and Jason Aldean. I'm probably starting Luke Combs, benching Jason Aldean, and cutting Luke Bryan. Same, and I would cut Luke Bryan very quickly. Did Luke Combs just get too popular? Is that why he has haters now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't think he's nearly as bad as uh, like the other generic cookie cutter guys that always get crapped on in, in country music. No, I don't think it's even close. Like his first album or two, people were like all over. They're like, oh, this is the best country musician we've had out of Nashville. And then like five albums are like, oh no, this guy sucks. He seems like a genuine guy. Yeah. Uh, start bench process. Cut. <laughs> what is this? Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I I would I would need to refresh my memory there on the distinctions between the four gospels. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Matthew was the tax collector. Yes. I don't know. Let's see. I would start Luke, bench Matthew, process Mark and cut John. There's more Johns later. Yeah, it's like a first John, second John. Yeah. Dear John. Yeah. Uh, is Texas Tech University an ag school or a tech school? John the Baptist. Um, yeah, so actually, I was accused of calling Texas Tech an ag school, and I don't think I said that. Because I, I would say an ag school is a land grant. Now, you do have, I think, something like the most – ag research dollars for a non-land grant or like you have the largest college of agriculture for a non-land grant in the country. So agriculture is certainly an emphasis of the university, but I don't know if I would call us an ag school. So I guess for that reason, I'll say tech because the engineering college is also kind of one of the 
primary schools on campus. And I think it's based on the name, sort of what you were founded to do. So I'll say tech school. Fair enough. I, I don't have an answer on that one. Uh, we've got a question here from the audience. What is your guess of Tech's football record this year? There's a funny story about the person who asked that question. There's a lot of funny stories about that person, actually. But um, I'll save them for another time. I think I'm talking my – I've always said, Rob, ask me after the Oregon game or ask me at halftime of the Oregon game, and I feel like I'll really know. But – Without that, I'm I'm starting to drink the Kool Aid a little bit. I was I was thinking seven or eight. Now I'm like kind of thinking nine and three. I would say eight and four. Yeah. If you beat Oregon, you're probably going to go ten and two. Yeah, I think so. It all hinges on Oregon. I mean, if you're three and zero, oh, I mean, Katie bar the door, right? The butter's getting hard and Jello's jiggling. Start bench cut. Our coach is hotter than yours. Retweet if you're with us, and now it's personal. Oh, gosh. I'm cutting. Now it's personal. <laughs> um, that so much early on in our podcast uh, tenure. Yeah, I think with the benefit of hindsight, that one's the worst because it's like no, we didn't need hindsight. It was the worst right when they did it. It's like you're just now taking these games personally. Yeah. Now we really want to win. It's year three, dude. Uh, never mind. Go ahead. So I, I'm cutting that when I'm with you. I, I think our coach is hotter than yours is like kind of cringe, but at the time people loved it. Like that was selling T-shirts. We had billboards. Oh, yeah. Uh, and what was the other option? Retweet if you're with us. Oh, oh. I, would, I would binge that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. But now it's personal. Like – They've been you've been in a conference with them for 15 years, and now it's just now personal that you're that they're treating you poorly. Yeah, like, come on. But then to go lose that game 70 to 35 or what it was like, yeah, now it's personal and they're 70 personal. on you. Yeah, uh, what is the best home game of the season? It's Oregon, which is kind of weird because usually a conference game would be the big one, but. I, I don't really see a credible argument that it's any game besides Oregon. Now, getting to the end of the schedule, could you have some potential for a couple of games there at the end that could turn into something more? Yes. If you and somebody are undefeated late and you're playing Kansas State undefeated at home or TCU undefeated at home, yeah, those could turn into bigger games. But I think just on the schedule, Oregon, yeah, is the biggest game. Uh, what happens first? Kansas wins a national championship in football. Texas is back, or Pac-12 gets a TV deal. Uh, starting Pac-12 TV deal, benching Texas is back, cutting a Kansas football natty. Who is the Texas Tech of the SEC? How about? I'll say Ole Miss. Yeah, I was thinking Mississippi State. Ole Miss is a good one. What about the Big Ten? I would I would kind of like to say Michigan State, but I think they're 
like they've made a playoff. Their yeah. basketball is way better than your basketball. But I just think like the in-state dynamic, like they're always second to Michigan. They're a rung below Penn State, Ohio State, all that. So, yeah, maybe like Purdue actually would be a good one, like another engineering school. Yeah. Um, not a terribly storied athletic department, blue collar. They're probably second fiddle in state to Indiana. Um, I think Purdue actually. I'll say Purdue. Okay. What about you? I like that. I like Purdue. Uh, and then they also wanted to know the ACC. North Carolina State. Easy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, is Josh Young a four-tool player? So what does he not have? Speed? Yeah, I think that'd probably be the biggest knock on him. But, yeah, he's a good fielder. He can hit for contact, can hit for power. What am I missing? Speed, power, contact, speed, fielding. Throwing? Throwing? He's got a cannon. Yeah. I don't know. Fifth tool? IQ? Uh, who do you not love that is a picador? Uh, Reed. Reed? Yeah. What? What's the beef there? Well, I put out a message today saying like, hey, the best way for us to grow is kind of word of mouth. So if you've got friends that, that you know love Texas Tech football and they're about to get back into it and like maybe they're not on social, like, if, you know, if you could recommend our podcast to them, we, you know, we'd love to grow and reach new listeners. And within like three seconds of putting out that message, he was like, pass. So I said, okay, like we're, we're beefing now. I was going to say Mr. Root. Similar, similar reasons. See, no, I, I, I love Root. I can't, I can't cap there. Uh, did you guys give thoughts on the hugging situation? Yes, we started the show with it, so you can listen back uh, later. All foods fall into one of three categories, soup, salad, or sandwich. Where do you put sushi? I I reject the premise of the question, but as posed, I will say salad. Not a sandwich? It's meat no. in between some starch. No. Sushi is a sandwich. <laughs> Stop. It's not a salad. I mean... It's not a salad. How is it a salad? It's not a sandwich. It's meat in between starch. No, actually, I'll say it's a sandwich because, like, if those are the only three categories, then a a wrap is a sandwich, right? Yeah. Like, sandwiches and wraps are on the same place of the menu. So, yeah. I'd say it's a wrap. So, yeah, I guess it's a sandwich. You're right. Uh, Okay. I'm not going to ask the last one. We've we've done we've done uh, versions of it before. I don't I don't, I don't want to get this canceled. Okay, I, think I might have skipped one. It also is there's a video proponent component, and I don't want to be showing the video and get banned again. Sure, we'll get a week long ban if we uh, mess with YouTube again. Why are a significant portion of tech social media accounts so anti Adidas? That's the last one. Oh no, there's one more. It's multifaceted. One, you have a subset of fans that are extremely loyal to whatever Texas Tech currently is. And so they'll just say that Under Armour is awesome because we're with Under Armour. But if we were with Reebok or Champion or New Balance, they would also tell you that that's awesome. So until we change, they're not going to 
they're going to claim Under Armour is the best until we're not Under Armour. The second one I think is that Nike is probably the most favorite brand for for most people. And so because Adidas isn't Nike, and Adidas has had some bad uniforms, don't get me wrong, but they also have, I think, really good templates that would look great for Texas Tech. We've talked about Miami before. Kansas is, I think, mostly looked fine. So, and again, like in a vacuum, I would prefer Nike over Adidas, no doubt. But if through Adidas you can align yourself with we don't the, greatest, live in a the greatest football player of all time, Patrick Mahomes, give me that. Give me that partnership all day. And Ludwig, uh, Jarrett Culver, people forget his first move in the NBA was signing a, a deal with Adidas. I don't think he's still signed by him, but there you go. Uh, and then the last one was, will Jimbo get fired this year? I don't think so. I think they were talking about this on the, I think it was the Republic of Football podcast. I was listening like through the feed, so it might have been on a different one. But I think it was that one. And they said like eight wins, he's safe. Six or fewer, he's gone. Seven is where it gets interesting. And I think that's exactly right. Because seven and five is kind of like, it depends what it looks like. Yeah. Did you did you have a key injury and like almost beat Alabama and you won seven games, or did you lose to Appalachian State and get you know blown out three times all the way to seven and five? Um, so I think that's kind of where I'm at. Is seven and five? It's interesting, but eight or more, he'll he'll be fine. New Mexico, Miami, Louisiana, Monroe is their non-con. And then they play ACU in November. They host ACU in November. Keith Patterson, I swear to God, if you knock them off. Oh, that would be glorious. Maverick McIver going to Kyle Field. Oh, yeah, a bunch of tech players there. You know, Maverick McIver's dad was a quarterback for Texas back in the day. So that that would be poetic in a lot of ways. That would be awesome. Uh, let's see, round two of the Major League Baseball draft. Let's see. Haven't got there yet. They just did round one today? I guess so. Any word on who my Twins, my A's, my Reds, my Rangers, my Mariners, my Marlins, my Royals are looking at? There's a lot of them. Let's see. Twins got Walker Jenkins. I'm jealous. That's who I wanted. The Royals, Blake Mitchell from Sinton High School in Texas. Oh, and while you have it up, I want to update on my Mets as well. The Mets, I don't believe, had a first-round pick. I think I have a team in at least every division, if not more than one team. Reds. I don't see the Reds. Oh, there they are. Rhett Louder, Wake Forest, pitcher. Probably pretty good then. Probably pretty good. Who else did you say? Marlins, Noble Meyer, high school player. It's a noble pick. I think that's all you said. All right. That's all I got, Kyle. Your final thoughts? Final thoughts. I could come up with one real quick. Did we get through the entire hodgepodge that I texted you? I believe so. Yeah, I think we did too. If not, we um, 
I'm I'm still intrigued on this. Every food is a sandwich, soup, or salad. I don't. Okay, I don't, so like pancakes. Yeah, but what is pasta? Salad? Hot salad? <laughs> hot salad. I mean, is hot salad? Is hot chocolate soup? Well, that's a that's a beverage. This is food. But I'm asking though, like, is hot chocolate soup? No, it's a drink. Like beer is not soup. You're not having coffee soup. That's fair. I just feel like there's more uh, more categories to food than just three. I agree. But sushi is a sandwich. My final thought: there is no bad weather, only bad clothing. All right. Love most of y'all. (laughs) Most of you. All right. Goodbye.